This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, okay, everyone. Thank you everybody for coming to our annual Tubishvatish. First of all, on this row, we have Davids. The first row, we have Davids. The second row, we have Shlomos. And the third row, we have Shmuel. And then in, in uh, the back we have Mayor. Mayor? Yeah. Okay, come, sit down. Thank you. So I want to speak today about what is appropriate to talk about on, Tish, on Tu B'Shvat. What are you supposed to talk about on Tu B'Shvat? We know that Moshe Rabbeinu, at the end of his life, taught Klal Yisrael Mishnah Torah, Sefer Devarim. When did Moshe begin teaching Mishnah Torah? So Sefer Devarim begins, Vayihi, in, on the first day of the 11th month, Moshe began teaching Devarim to Klal Yisrael on the first day of Shvat, Rish Chodesh Shvat. When did Moshe Rabbeinu pass away? Zayin Adar. So that means Moshe taught Torah at the end of his life for 36 days. 36 days. From Rish Chodesh Shvat to Zayin Adar. Now another revelation that the Masar Rekech, Reb Lezer, Rekech of Amsterdam teaches us is that Sefer Devarim has a certain specific number of psukim. It has 955 psukim. Tuf, tuf, kuf, nun, hei psukim. 955 psukim. Now, what pasuk did Moshe start teaching these psukim? So it says, Vayhi v'arboim shana v'ashtei asar chaydesh v'echad l'chaydesh diber Moshe al-bnei Yisrael k'chal asher tziva asher Moshe al-eim acharei ha-koysei be'ever ha-yardein on the Transjordan, Moshe began explaining the Torah. So he begins in Pasuk Vav. So the first Pasuk of Devarim that Moshe teaches Kal Yisrael is Hashem Eloikeinu Diber Eileinu B'chayr God told me on Chayrev at Har Sinai as follows. So again, the first couple of Sukkim are giving you the date and the place. But Moshe doesn't start actually teaching Torah until the sixth Pasuk, that Hashem told me on Har Sinai, saying. So that's the beginning where Moshe Rabbeinu starts to teach the Torah to Klai Yisrael. He teaches until Zayin Adar. Zayin Adar begins in Parshas Vayelach. Vayelach is the last day of Moshe Rabbeinu's life, the seventh day of Adar. So let's calculate then, how many Psukim does Moshe teach from the sixth Pasuk in the Barim until Parshas Vayelach. That would be very interesting. So in the Sefer Imre Noyam of Jacob, he brings, if there are 955 psukim in Devarim, which by the way correspond to 955 levels of the Rakia, 955 levels of the Rakia, which is interesting because Tu B'Shvat, the 15th day of Shvat, is the day that Hashem made Makas Arba, the plague of the locust. The plague of the locust, of locusts corresponds to Hashem's creating of the rakia, because it's the third to last makkah. It's the third to last makkah, and the th- the third statement of creation was the creation of the rakia. So Tu Bishvat, really, it was an affirmation of the creation of the heavens, because again, Tu Bishvat is the day that Hashem brought makkas arbe, which is the third to last makkah. And the third statement of creation was Vayim uh, Rakia. There are 955 levels of the Rakia. Okay? 
And Moshe taught these 955 sukkim in Sefer Devarim. But the actual Torah that he began to teach on Rosh Chodesh Shvat is, begins in the 6th Pasuk of Devarim and it ends in Vayelach for a total of 832 psukim. So over 36 days, Moshe teaches 832 psukim. If you do the math of how many psukim Moshe taught each day of these 36 days, so it's basically he teaches 23 psukim a day with a remainder of 4. Okay. So let's make a cheshven. Because that means if he teaches 23 psukim a day, what, which psukim did he teach on Tu B'Shvat? Because Tu B'Shvat is the 15th day of his teaching of the Torah. So the Imre Noya makes an amazing calculation that Moshe Rabbeinu taught the following psukim on Tu B'Shvat. It would probably be very telling, you know. What did Moshe Rabbeinu save for Tu B'Shvat to teach Klal Yisrael? So we go to Perk Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud. Ki ha'aratzater asheratabashama. The land that you're going to, Larishta, to inherit. Like Eretz Mitzrayim, it's not like Egypt. Asher Yitzasamisham, that you left there. Asher Tizra Saracha, that you will plant seeds, the Hishkisa Viraglacha, and it will be watered by your foot, Kagan Hayarak, like the garden of vegetables. It's not like a vegetable garden that you had in Egypt. The land that you're going to inherit, Eretz Harimuvakais, is a land of mountains, of valleys. Limtar Shamayim Tishtamayim. By the rain of heaven you will drink water. Eretz, it's a land, Asher Ine Hashem It's a land that Hashem seeks out. Tamid Ine Hashem Always the eyes of God are on it. May Reishis Hashanah from the beginning of the year, Ve'arachashana. So in other words, the psukim that Moshe Rabbeinu teaches on Tu B'Shvat are the psukim about the greatness of Eretz Yisrael. As we know, there's a very big connection between uh, Tu B'Shvat and many try to enjoy specifically the fruits of Eretz Yisrael. So it's uh, of note and very significant that the psukim that Moshe Rabbeinu teaches on Tu B'Shvat are about the Shavach of Eretz Yisrael. And he goes on to explain V'nasati mitar arzuchem be'itoi the, the Parsha Vahaya Im Shamaya. The Parsha Vahaya Im Shamaya, he teaches on Tubishvat. Okay. So we're going to speak a little bit about the uh, Shevach of Eretz Yisrael. Um, as we see that, even Moshe Rabbeinu dedicated Tubishvat to speak about the praise of Eretz Yisrael. So I have a new Sefer. It's called Shal Sechuvah's Torah Lashma. Shal Sechuvah's Torah Lashma was written with a pen name. It's written by Rav Yechezkel Kachli. The only thing is, never in history was there an individual, Yechezkel Kachli. So obviously it's a pen name. The gematria of Yechezkel Kachli is the name of the Benishchai. The Benishchai wrote this under a pseudonym. Shaya Satshuvas Torah Lishma. In the 418th Tshuva, Simon Taf Yerches, he deals with a very interesting question. Somebody moved in Israel, near Tzfas. Your brother lives in Tzfas, yeah? Somebody moved near Tzfas. And the person is asking, far from the city, a few hours, there's a place, it's still in Israel, they have orchards there, and they're very beautiful, delicious, and sweet fruit. And even in other countries that have beautiful fruit, this place has even nicer fruit. My question is, am I allowed to travel there, to spend time to go there, to enjoy the fruit. 
Maybe it's like, you know, too indulgent. Maybe it's, like, maybe it's too decadent. It's not, a, it's not a proper way to spend time. After all, if I'm traveling there, I'm going to lose time from my siddharam, I'm going to lose time from my learning. Is it proper for me to take off time to travel to this location, to enjoy the fruit? Or may, maybe it's permitted. You know why? Because it's a way of me showing love for Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, maybe it's a mitzvah for me to go there. That's the question. In other words, basically, it's a waste of time. You know, I could be learning, I could be davening. Or, instead, I'm going to eat big plump fruit. I mean, is that a good way to spend time? Or maybe it's a proper thing to do. So the Ben Chai says, we find in the Gemara in Erevin, on Daf Lamed, Rabbi Barbarchana said, we used to follow Rabbi Yochanan to eat the fruits of Genosar. How many Rabbanim? A hundred Rabbanim would travel there to eat big, plump, sweet fruits. And that's the only reason we went there, to eat the fruits. Says the Ben Chai, what did they go there for? What was the purpose of going there to eat fruits? Says the Ben Chai, to show love of Eretz Yisrael, to eat the sweet fruits, and their kavanah was L'shem Shamayim, and they were all chasidim, they were all kedoshim. So we see that if a person goes to a place in Eretz Yisrael to enjoy the fruit of the land, it's a noble thing to do. So it come at it. Look, I always have this question also. Would it be proper, let's say, to take off time to travel in Eretz Yisrael to see the beauty of Eretz Yisrael. And let's say you're doing it to really see and appreciate the Shavach of Eretz Yisrael. It would come out that it's a noble thing to do. Even at the expense, let's say, of other Avodah Hashem. So, this is a, a very nice tshuva. And then I'm going to end off, I want, I'm going to share with you something I never even realized before. A very beautiful diok in benching. Did you ever notice in Berchus Hamazayin, we say, Hazan es ha'olam, he sustains the world, kulai bituvai. What does bituvai mean? In his goodness. So we're referring to Hashem as first person, second person, or third person? Third, third person. His goodness. Hu noisein lechem, he gives bread. First person, second person, third person. Third person. Ki hu kelzan, he sustains. The whole bracha is third person. Comes the second bracha of Abraham's Amazon. Noi delicha, I thank you. Al shehin chalta, that you bequeathed. The al shehoit seisanu, and you took out. The al brischa, and your covenant. The al toiroscha, and your toira. Why? Why does the first bracha of Shemana Esrei refer to Hashem in third person, and the second bracha in third person? The second bracha in second person. So in the Sefer Hegyani Halacha he brings from his great-grandfather, the Ishbitzer, who's one of the great, brilliant Hasidic masters. He says, who wrote the first bracha of Rechaz HaMazayin? Rabbeinu. When did he write it? When the man fell down. Who wrote the second bracha of Rechaz HaMazayin? Yehoshua ben Nun. When did Yehoshua write it? When he got into Eretz Yisrael. Okay, now, what's the difference? The Zohar HaKadr says, in Parshas Yisrael, that by the mitzvah of Bikurim, it says, He got it to Hayoim Lashem Eloi Kecha Kivasi. Say today to Hashem your God. Why does it say Hashem your God? Why not our God? Why didn't Moshe say our God? 
Because Hashem wasn't Moshe's God. He was only your God, the people who went in. But He wasn't Moshe's God. Why? Because if you live in Eretz Yisrael, the Gemara says it's like you have a God. If you don't live in Eretz Yisrael, it's like you don't have a God. The Gemara Ksuba says, Kol Anyone who lives in Israel, it's like they have a God. Anyone who doesn't live in Israel, it's like they don't have a God. So therefore, the first bracha of Shemana Esrei, Moshe Rabbeinu, he's writing it as an outsider. So he refers to God in third person. Yeshua ben Nun gets into the land. Hashem so, part of the of, of the custom of Tubishvat of tasting the fruits and appreciating the shavach of Eretz Yisrael is to yearn to go back to Eretz Yisrael. After all, the Gemara says that the surest sign that Mashiach is coming is when Eretz Yisrael blossoms with fruits. That's why. Do we juxtapose Barich Aleinu with Tekav Shaifar, the Gemara says. Why? Because when we see Barich Aleinu, Hashem Lekeinu, Sashana Azoyz, Sashmoy Yisrael Toiba, then we know soon is Tekav Shaifar Gadol Chiruseinu, Besanei Slekavitz Gol Yoseinu. The Gemara also talks about that when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, the purity and the purity of the fruits ceased. There was a noticeable, marked decline in, in the taste, and the holiness of the fruits in Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, the first sign Mashiach is coming is when you're able to taste sort of the restoration of the original taste. So here we are, we're gathered here, Chaverim, Sadikim, to taste the fruits. We're hoping that we're going to have a new flavor in the fruits, and it, it should be a premonition, there's a Sashem of the coming of the Gula. So we hope... Uh, to see the fulfillment that after Barich Aleinu Hashem Lekinu Sashana Azois, after Hashem is Mavarich Eretz Yisrael, and all the fruits of the whole world are Nisbarich from the Shefa of Eretz Yisrael, then we should be Zoycha to the Kabbashai for God, Al Chiroseno. Shkayach, everyone. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.